Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host today, Juliette Lamar. And I have with me on the line the founder of ProSertis. I would like you all to welcome Casey Flaherty. How are you doing, Casey? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on and telling us all about your company, which I think is something that's a really necessary thing. So go ahead. Why don't you tell us all about ProSertis? So I'm I'm a lawyer by training. Uh, and one of the things that I observed as a lawyer is that lawyers are terrible at using technology, even the most <laughs> Why is that? Uh, basic, um, because they're people. Uh, I used to think that lawyers were particularly bad at using technology until I read the research. Uh, and then I found out that we're, we're all actually bad at, at using technology. Like Google's search anthropologist discovered that 90% of people don't know how to use control F. Uh, uh, The OECD did a five-year study across 30 advanced countries on using technology to solve problems, and only 5% of people uh, uh, were able to do any high-level problem solving. Uh, Only 33% of people could accomplish medium-complexity tasks. Control-F is a medium-complexity task uh, because it's it's not obvious. It's in a menu or you have to know a keystroke. You have to know it exists in order to use it. Uh, you don't see it right there on the screen. All you really see is search when you use Google. Uh, 
example. And of course, they could put a fine box, but they could put a lot of other boxes there too. In fact, there's a reason that Google offers two six-week courses on how to use Google. The second you get past basic keyword searching, it becomes a lot more Boolean. Once you're using uh, connectors and punctuation, uh, it, it's less it's less intuitive. It loses that minimalism. And that's why if you go to Google Advanced Search, there's a lot more you can do with it. It's a lot more feature-rich, and yet you've you've lost that essential Google simplicity that makes it so attractive. And so even Google has this trade-off between depth and, and complexity. And it doesn't mean that, that they're doing it wrong. They're doing it right. Uh, they're offering a, a software that's very easy to use uh, for the basics, but then rewards power users. But to become a power user, you actually have to learn. And that's true of almost all of our technologies. Microsoft Word, as an easy example, is very much the same if you want to use it at its most basic. A typewriter with a glowing screen, it's pretty intuitive. You open it up, you start typing, it's fine. It's only when you want to start doing something with a higher level of complexity that we run into problems. Well, the documents that lawyers construct in Word are complex. Another easy example, lawyers uh, write a lot of contracts, even even the litigators out there, the, the Tom Cruise, I want the truth kind of people, they're forever writing contracts, which, which they call settlement agreements. And for whatever reason, lawyers love cross-references. They like to say per section 3-1A uh, subpart 2. Um, and they like to continually reference other parts of the contract, which is fine, um, which, and is, which, all, which is why uh, Word in the 1980s put in an automated cross-reference. Today, less than 5% of legal professionals, and that's lawyers and their secretaries and their paralegals and whomever, less than 5% of them know how to use that cross-reference function. Instead, they go through and they manually update their documents. And this doesn't just take a whole lot of time, which in the legal world truly is money since they go by the hour, but it also introduces hundreds of opportunities for human error. And so this is, this is what I observed being a lawyer. And I, I didn't start out as a tech person. I started out as a productivity person. I'm a lean Six Sigma black belt, whatever that means. And I've actually, as a, as a lawyer, as an in-house lawyer, as the client, conducted uh, many, many site visits at law firms to understand how lawyers and staff work. And, and this, is, this was the observation I had. And I would go in and I would tell the partners, the people running running the law firm that that those working for them weren't great at technology and the lawyers would say we know we know we know those idiots in IT aren't giving us what we need to do our work we don't have AI and we don't have blockchain and we don't have you know insert buzzword here and and I'd always stop them and say look your IT could always be better and that is true everywhere because IT moves so quickly even if you were to be completely caught up today, six months from now, you'd be six months from behind. So there's always room to improve. There is no finish line with IT. And so I'm not going to tell you don't get better with IT. But what I will tell you is your people can't use the tools you, you've given them. They're spending 99% of their day in Word, in email, in Excel, in PDF. And they struggle mightily. And they struggle mightily not because there's anything wrong with them, but because of this trade-off between complexity and depth. And you're actually asking them to do things of medium and high complexity, and they've never had the training, so they don't know how to do it. So they're, they're doing what they do. 
they're brute forcing their way through it because they're extremely dedicated. They work really hard. And this isn't to say they aren't smart, but these are what we're talking about is a bundle of learned skills and they've never learned. them. I'll, I'll stop there because I, 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 no, <laughs> I had no idea that the majority of the population are illiterate. I did not know those numbers. That's, that's staggering. And do you think that that just has an offside note, do you think that that's just a generational thing? Do you think that, that the kids growing up, the, the future lawyers are going to be better at technology or do you think that it just keeps changing so quickly and people don't have time to put into this learning in addition to learning everything else we have to learn about the world? Well, thank you for bringing up one of my favorite topics, which is the myth of the digital native. And I've written yeah, exactly. about that's it pretty extensively. <laughs> because Good. Uh, so we ha we are raising digital natives in that they are more comfortable with technology. Um, but just because you get your Instagram account in utero doesn't mean you know how to use Excel. <laughs> uh, the, the, thing, the thing about apps is that they are, they, they tend to be single purpose and we use and, and very straightforward and you learn how to use a few of them. You, you get to bear survival in your social milieu and that's, and that's what you do. If, if everyone's using Facebook, you learn how to use Facebook. If everyone's using Instagram, you learn you learn how to use Instagram, Snapchat, what have you. And you get to that bare survival within your milieu, and a few people get advanced skills. Um, but it doesn't translate. Just because someone can microwave a hot pocket doesn't mean they know how to cook a gourmet meal. And mm -hmm. I, for one, will clap when everything we do in our professional environment is intuitive. But for right now... We ask people to do so many different things in so many different tools that they still have to learn. And there is plenty of data about those digital natives, including my own, because uh, my software is used in law schools, uh, that it just it is it is simply not the case. Higher level of comfort with technology, but actually with the with that with that comfort comes an expectation that it's going to be intuitive um, and that it's going to be automatic and that if if the machine is not doing what I want it to do, there must be something wrong with the machine. And in fact, you absolutely yeah. want that for people who are doing UI, UX. So I want that um, in people who are creating software. I want them to figure out better way. In the meantime, lawyers and other professionals who are working in these softwares actually have to learn how to do it. Um, you, you both can be true, right? We we can we can believe that UI UX can get better and things can get more intuitive, and we can and we can start to integrate uh, various forms of AI into our software to make it easier for people to navigate. All of that, 100% support. But until it's there, that that doesn't say that doesn't mean that professionals for how many every years can just say, oh, I don't need to learn that because we've been using we've been using Word for 30 years. And we're still yeah. terrible. Uh, we, we can't. We can't. We can't. We can't just wait for Clippy 2.0. That's actually good. Um, yeah. So exactly. Exactly. I'll, I'll, and it's 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 like like you're saying. You know, you can't you can't learn things that you don't know are there. So if I don't know yeah, that Control F is going to help me find things on my page, then I'm never going to use it because I just don't know what to look for. So why don't you go into some of the offerings that Prosertus gives to people who want to, you know, make themselves better at these things. So that's that's the perfect segue in that people don't know what they don't know. 
Mm-hmm. They're not doing things wrong on purpose. They're doing things wrong because they don't know any better. Because they don't know any better, they have no idea that training will benefit them. And and that's why simply off making training available does absolutely nothing. You can give them a subscription to lynda.com. They're not going to use it. In fact, they don't need to go to Lynda. They can go to YouTube. They can find any training they want on core software. Uh, training availability is not an issue. People knowing they need training is the problem, which is why I created competence-based learning software. What I do is I put people in situations. I give them live documents to edit, and then I grade those documents and give them feedback and tell them, you did that right, you did that wrong. If you did it right, you move on to the next task. If you did it wrong, that's when we call up the training video and show you how to do it, and then you try it again. So it's adaptive, synchronous, active learning. It's adaptive. It identifies what they know and what they don't. Both matter. What they know means they test out of training they don't need. What they don't is even more important because we're puncturing those delusions of adequacy. We're identifying gaps in their knowledge, and we move to fill those gaps synchronously in that we provide the training concurrent to the identification of the need. And it's active because we give them the immediate opportunity to apply what they've learned in their own live environment as well as instant feedback on whether or not they've done done so correctly. It's smart yeah. learning, really. That's the smartest way to teach and to learn. Absolutely. You're you uh you can actually you can actually validate that people have acquired what uh what they need to acquire while while also allowing uh those who already know it to to sail through. So you can mm-hmm. you can give two different people the same uh comp uh put pe- put two different people in the same competence-based learning environment, and one can be through in five minutes and the other can take five hours. And you know what? That's all they needed. And that's because because they're coming to it with a, with a different skill set and, and a different aptitude. Although, as you can tell, uh, my, frame, my frame of reference is that it's the skill set, not the aptitude. Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah, if, if, people wanna, if people wanna check out how we do what we do, um, you just go to www.prosertis.com backslash demo, and you can go right into our product and see how it works. Uh, this is not. And you have you several different video. products. Well, we we have training for for Word, Excel, and and PDF, and we offer both assessments, uh, which are linear. You go from one task to the next, and it's timed, and you get a score at the end. And we also offer a trainer, where the trainer gives you immediate feedback on every task allows you to retry the tasks that you didn't get didn't get right and gives you the training on those tasks and so you can depending on how you want to want to approach it you can either be rigorous in that you give people a diagnostic assessment then you have them go through training and then you have them take a validating assessment so you can see where they started and then see what they've learned um, or it can be lower stakes you tell people, look, we just want, we just want, we just want you to get through the trainer. And to get through the trainer, that means you've completed every task correctly at least once. Uh, you get marked as complete on the task when you do it right once, and finished on the trainer when you do all the tasks. When all tasks are completed, we you can you can say in the lower stakes version, we just want you to get through the trainer, and we're going to give you the option of doing the assessment. And if you do the assessment and achieved a qualified or expert score. Uh, we give we send you a digital badge through Acclaim, which is this which is the same group that administers Microsoft's and Cisco's badges, and you can put it on LinkedIn or digital resume. And when someone clicks on it, it takes it takes them to a page that says, "On this date, this person did X, Y, and Z to earn this badge." Uh, it replaces the mostly meaningless 
proficient in uh, office suite, uh, which ranks right up there with I have read these terms and conditions in terms of its veracity and ubiquity. And your pricing model is quite affordable for what you're getting. I mean, you're getting a full training, you're getting badges, people can see what you've completed and what that actually means. And your pricing is quite affordable from what I'm looking at here and seems to be something that businesses could even offer to their their uh, employees to just better the entire business. Oh yeah, we yeah, so we do we do and we do enterprise level licenses that are extremely affordable. We do even we we do even it's even more affordable for uh for for schools. Um, to to be completely transparent, I wanted to give this away for free. This is not how I make mm-hmm. money. Um, this is my this is my evangelism. Uh, this is something that that I want to do to to help people. Now I learned very quickly that free is obscenely expensive, so I had I had to charge for it. Uh, that said, anyone out there who wants to give me a huge grant, I'll go back to doing it for free. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, because because. So and and again, I'm a lawyer, uh, and and I and I do legal operations and consulting to actually feed the family. Uh, but the, the, it, it drives me insane um, because this is not the biggest problem in legal service delivery, which is to say, it's because it, it's a similar problem in any kind of knowledge work. This isn't the biggest problem we have, but this is one of the easiest problems to solve. So it's a real legitimate problem. We are wasting enormous amounts of productivity, of talented people spending their time on drudgery uh, that they don't need to. Law was voted the most boring job in the world in a survey. Most boring job in the world, law. And that is because there is a lot of drudgery inherent in what we do. Because what do we do? Paperwork. Much of that can be automated. In fact, much of it has been automated. But we have to know how to use the tools. Our technology, like our cars, isn't yet self-driving. It will get us from point A to point B, but it still requires precise user input. That's a great analogy, the self-driving car, because, you know, people people do think, oh, well, this is so easy and it, it, it's innate. I can just do it myself. But you really do need training. And, and you like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And it really is just a matter of awareness. Yes. we, we As I say, people, people labor under delusions of adequacy. Um, and both both in terms of themselves and in terms of their technology. We have studies coming out of MIT that suggest for, that for, for companies, for every $1 they spend in technology, they should be spending close to $10 on personnel, process, redesign, and training. And we fail to make that complementary investment over and over again, and then we complain that the, that the technology underperforms. Because we, we like to think it's it's all a technology, and and it isn't. As I said, I'm a I'm a process. For me, technology supports process, and and we we don't make that investment, and then we just look for the next the next gizmo that's going to solve our problems. Technology is amazing, but but it isn't magic, and but we believe in magic to our detriment. Exactly, we're exciting behind it in a way. Yeah. So where and, do you? Where and, do you and, see these? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Your podcast. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, you offer these. You have these really great offerings. Are there other offerings that you hope to implement in the future? Oh, ab- absolutely. We want. We want to add PowerPoint. Uh, we want to add multiple levels of Word and Excel. Uh, it's a. We 
we have products, but the, the main thing that we've developed is a platform, and it's a really flexible platform. We, we, you know, we've integrated video. You can open a video at, at any time. Uh, we've also integrated substantive questions, so you can ask substantive questions and connect them to the to the practical skills. So just to take an easy example from from law, you uh, a, privacy is a huge issue. Uh, when you file a court doc a document with court, it becomes a public record. Well, sometimes you file documents contain things like social security numbers or bank account numbers. You have to redact that. And to redact that, there are people out there who will literally go into PDF software and draw a black box, which for anyone <laughs> listening, that is not a redaction. Anyone can delete that black box. And so, and so we do, what we'll do is we will ask a question, which of the following are personal identifying information, PII, that needs to be redacted before it can be filed with the court? And we'll have a bunch of options and we'll say check all that apply. And a few of them will be and a few of them won't be. And because it's check all that apply, there's actually over 20,000 different answer combinations, which means the person actually has to know or look up the answer but they're engaging with a material the way they never would if they were watching some kind of slide, slideshow where there's just someone up there droning on, right? They're actually engaging with the material to come to the correct answer. And then the very next task is, now here's a document that contains a bank account number, redact it properly. And so they download the document, they use whatever software they have to redact it, and they upload it, and, and our grading engine reads it, and can come back and say you did that you did that right or you did that wrong. And if you did it wrong, you hit the teach me button, and we're going to show you how to do it. And it's going and we're going to show you how to do it uh, on your software. Right now, we have both Power PDF and Acrobat. We may add others, but at least in legal, those are the most ubiquitous uh, PDF suites. Very cool, and and that is something and, that a different way to learn, a different way to look at learning instead of just sitting and listening and taking notes. It's it's interactive through actually forced to make those brain connections. It, and, 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 that's, and that's not to discount lectures. It's to say that there's, there, are different, there are different kinds of things that are imparted different ways. So lectures are fantastic for presenting big ideas, for, trans, for, for, for translating mundane facts into kind of a grand narrative, to, um, to draw connections between different parts of people's worlds. Uh, if you have a, a top-notch lecture, they, they, they stimulate the synapses like nothing else. But watching someone show you how to, how to do things on Word is painfully boring. And it doesn't matter how good they are, how smart they are, how funny they are. There's only so much of it you're going to retain. You need, this is one of those learning by doing is going to be far superior than learning by watching or learning by listening. And so I... I I'm not trying to discount other modes of learning. I'm just saying this, this is one that we need to do more. And frankly, we didn't do it before because we didn't have the technology. Um, it, was, it was possible, but it was hard. And, and now, now it's, it's easy. And uh, it, it, it's much easier for a variety of reasons. So right, we're cloud-based. We're built on Microsoft Azure. We don't. We only use basic browser functionality. There is no install. No one has to install any software from us, and and that makes life so much easier. All we have to do is give someone a web login, and yet because we can use that basic 
browser functionality for download and upload, they can use their own software so that it's completely familiar to them and completely real to them. That would have been very hard to do 10 years. And so thinking about uh, pr presenting content, content this way was in many ways constrained by what was, what was available. And again, I'm not saying it was impossible. There's a lot of genius people out there. Anything was possible, but it was definitely much harder. No, this is, this is super simple, the way that you are presenting this for the user. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And again, prosertis.com backslash demo. It's not, so, it's not so you can watch the product in action. It's so you can, act, you can go into the product itself, and it's a sandbox. You can just start playing around. I love it. And you can also probably connect uh, in social media. How active is Prosertis at social media? Oh, I am, I am very active. I'm at the KCF, D-C-A-S-E-Y-F on Twitter. Um, and if you just if you just Google Casey Flaherty, uh, I think I have the first three pages of search results on that name. Um, I, I feel bad about that because before me, it was a young lady who was raising money for the rumor size and cystic fibrosis foundation. And and frankly, as much as much as I think my cause is righteous, hers is better. Uh, I just happen to write more than she does. And so if you want to if you want to read more about digital natives, uh, uh, just just at me at Twitter or find me find me through Google or LinkedIn. Incredible! I am definitely going to read more about the myth of the digital, digital native because that is something that resonates with me. I think that you're right on track with that, and it's a very common misconception. So definitely check out his Twitter and everything. And Casey, this has been really enlightening. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge and and wisdom with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. That was Casey Flaherty. He's the founder of ProSertis. You know where to find him. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you.
You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.